you to the Black Prospector Show. I am going to have a brief discussion here. Well, I hope it'll be brief. It, some may consider it a bit more of a rant, but it's on my mind, so I'm going to do a show on it. It's something that I've been bothered with for quite some time, but really everything came to a head this last Sunday. Now, first, uh, full disclosure, I've been upset for many, many years in the so-called evangelical church. And I would always notice on how on Mother's Day, we would get messages from male preachers getting up on Mother's Day, telling the woman how great she is and just how the family will you know, even exist and evolves around her, which in and of itself is not biblical. But OK, we'll take it for what it is because it's Mother's Day and just, you know, how great she is and really how that family so much her value, uh, so much value that she brings to her family and they always preach out of the Proverbs 31 uh, on, on looking at that woman in that chapter and then ascribe many of those characteristics whether it fits the women in the congregation or not but they still throw it out there and they automatically say women you must be like this Proverbs 31 woman and that's why we honor you today and then a month later we get to Father's Day amazingly enough on Father's Day Many of the positive attributes that we find in scripture talking about men oftentimes don't get ascribed to the men sitting in the church. That same male minister comes up there with a message right off the hot griddle plate that's pretty easy for him to go ahead and preach. And in his message, he talks about how men need to step up and on how men need to become more like Jesus. And how men need to be real men and lead their family and how we're failing. And he'll give all kinds of statistics. And well, I guess Tony Evans decided to not do it necessarily on Father's Day. As a matter of fact, he's been on this kick lately for the last few months. And while we're at home and kind of having our gathering still on Sundays, you know, we watch uh, many of his videos as well as some other ministers. And on this particular last Sunday, my daughter ended up choosing the message. Now, she said she didn't know what it was going to be about. So, OK, I'll go along with that. But she ended up looking at a message that she said, hey, let's watch this one. And it was called Begging for a Blessing. Now, it seems to be part of Tony Evans's series uh, called Kingdom Men Rising. And we've probably watched about three or four of the messages from the videos. And I've actually spent quite a bit of time really kind of backtracking and and I basically I'll say just adding some balance to the messages that Tony Evans was was putting out there. Now, I am about to play two clips here. One clip I'm going to play is going to come from a speech that Malcolm X gave talking to Muslim women. And I just want you to notice the tone. And I just want you to notice that I don't know if the crowd was mixed or not. This was an audio, but certainly he had no problem saying something as uh, someone who has, we'll just say, more of a ministerial position inside the nation of Islam. He had no problem telling women, well, really what he felt that the tenets of the nation of Islam, what they ascribe to. So he <laughs> certainly didn't hold back his words on what he had to say. And then I want you to also listen to portion of the words from Tony Evans. This is a portion from Tony Evans's message uh, that I'm referencing this podcast on. But, you know, there certainly are others that had a similar tone. 
Notice the difference between the tones of one that Malcolm X had talking to women. And to be honest, I have never heard any Christian minister talk to women in the church the way that Malcolm X did, as brutally honest as he did. Yet, listen to, I think Tony Evans's tone actually is representative of how most black ministers speak to women. But the, the television is your level. Please forgive me for saying that. But no, but the television is your level. You got a television brain, a television vocabulary, and you live in a television world. Now, as long as your man is spending time with you on your level, you're happy. But when he tries to get you into a world that's based on intellect, that's based on intelligence, that's based on uh, nourishing that brain, you feel left out. And you are left out. I don't make you angry for saying this, do I? But this is good for you, because when you understand that, you know how to get him, and if you got him, you know how to keep him. But if you don't understand it, I'll guarantee you, you won't keep what you got, and you won't get what you got your eyes on. <laughs> do you understand that? Fatherlessness dominates our cultural landscape today. 40% of all children in our country are raised without their biological father. In the African-American community, 72% of children born are born to single parents. Now, fatherlessness comes in many shapes and many forms. Some are fatherless because they've been abandoned by their father. Their father sired a child that they were not willing to take responsibility for. Other forms of fatherlessness is that the father may be there, but he might as well not be there because he's not accepted the responsibility of fatherhood. And so what we have developed is a generation of young people, children, who are growing up in a fatherless environment, and so they go seeking pseudo-fatherhood. And if the numbers bear out that women are making the choice to become single mothers, whether it is by the court system and making sure that the dad does not stay in the home, whether it is by choosing not to be with the father that actually is the, the father of their child. I think we have enough videos by Kevin Samuels that goes to show when he often asks, well, how come you're not with the father of your children? Oh, well, I'm just not happy. Or, well, he just didn't make enough money. Or, well, we just had problems. And as he notes all the time, you need to go back and be with the father of your children. And that is really no excuse when many of these women have had two or three, three kids with the father and yet he is the bad guy and she's not happy. So Tony Evans starts out talking about someone not being happy. I don't think he's talking to the men in his congregation. I think he should be speaking towards the women in his con congregation. And certainly at the end of the day, we realize that women are making the decisions and the choice to go about it on their own through divorce. And so when they decide to get a divorce, they are saying, I do not need you now to raise my kids. I am not happy. There's this phrase, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Hence, the divorce papers will soon follow. 
So again, should you just be talking to the men in your church about this issue? Or is this something you should be bringing in up with the women? Certainly, again, if I do the uh, use the aforementioned Kevin Samuels, we keep hearing about the need for equal time. And if anyone has listened to Kevin Samuels content for any length of time, you would know that he has gone in on men before he started going in on women. But again, this this is not a Kevin Samuels issue. This is something that's actually going on inside the church, a place where a man should be able to go to first hear the gospel. And then secondly, we always tell men and we give them the tools and some of those tools are actually correct. And I'm not saying they are not, but we say and give them the tools on how to become better men. But when it comes to telling the women in the congregation how to be better women, we often look back at the men and we simply say, well, if you do it, then she will do X, Y, and Z. I don't think that's correct. As a matter of fact, if you listen to the series, every black man has a story. My father tells a portion, tells a story in his life that his mother and his stepfather used to give him whoopings, but they gave him whoopings not because of what he did wrong. They gave him whoopings because they wanted to send a warning to his sister. I'm going to argue that the church, particularly the black church or many black churches, do the exact same thing. They're giving men whoopings in front of the women, not because the men in their church need to be disciplined, because I'm going to have to assume that many of the men sitting in the church have not abandoned their families. Or even if they are not with the very children that they fathered by another woman, it's probably if they're sitting in his church, it's probably not because they don't want to be. It's probably because a court system or that woman has said, I don't want you around. I can do it by myself or I have another man. So in our churches, it's almost the same way. Let's whoop the man so we can give a warning to the women. Nah, that's not how it should work. Let me also note, and I have to point this out, and this is really going to be the main topic of this podcast. Look, it's, there seems to be a thought in the evangelical church that A, women have no agency, and B, that when it comes to sex, that women are just always, or really the relationship in general, that women are just passive people in the car while the man is driving. I guess they think what they see out in the parking lot on Sunday mornings when people pull in there is how the relationships often go. However, I think research is going to show, and I'm going to drop some research myself in a moment, that that is far from the case. At the end of the day, if Tony Evans is going to challenge men for not staying around, or as he said, abandoning fatherhood, I think we're going to look at enough research, whether we're talking about abortion, whether we're talking about birth control, whether we're talking about divorce, that at least in the 21st century, women are making the choice to abandon motherhood and to abandon the family Women are making the choice to become single mothers. So I totally disagree with the narrative of putting that on the men, or shall I say solely on the men, as being responsible for the ill that we're seeing in the black community. I reject that wholeheartedly. And I think the numbers will bear that out. I am not anti-Tony Evans at all. Obviously, if I was, I would not be talking about him or letting him be in front of my family. But 
I will say, and the reason why I'm making this podcast episode is what Tony Evans did is something that I've been noticing, as I mentioned, in the church for decades. And what Tony Evans did is something that many ministers, particularly black ministers, are doing in the pulpit nearly every Sunday. I do not understand the fascination that they seem to have with going in on black men. Now, if we were going in on black men from a truly biblical basis, then, you know, what could I really say about it? But I don't think we're doing it from a very either fair or balanced perspective because we are running into issues with certainly men going to church in general. This is something that transcends black men. It even goes to white men and others as well. But it also gets to a question of, well, what needs to be discussed in church? If you are talking to a mixed crowd, how are you going to handle these conversations? Now, just, you know, in in terms of the message that Tony Evans gave, he was talking and made numerous comments about men you know, not being there for their families. And he even quoted the statistic about men, about single black, single households or or black households being led by 72 percent by black women. So obviously we're looking in that case of, all right, wow. So we had 28% of, of households, black households actually have a man or, or both parents in there. And so I think we need to go back and say, well, how did we get to this point? Are we at this point because men just all of a sudden decided to become janky and leave their wives or leave their girlfriends or leave their whoever and not raise their kids? Because if we take his message and not again, not just Tony Evans, but many of these messages by many of these ministers, that's really what the insinuation is that black men are not willing to step up and raise their children and be the man in their households and their family. That's exactly what it implied. And when we do not give fair and equal balance to this topic and why am I saying fair and equal balance? Because you're talking to a mixed group. Unless we're going to do like the Nation of Islam and you're going to have maybe the women on one side and the men on the other. Or if we're going to have these conversations about what men aren't doing, then perhaps we need to separate the men and the women. And you have this this conversation with the men. Then we need to keep it balanced because you have a mixed group in there. Other than that, you're going to have the amen section only coming from one gender inside your church. And why would you want to do that? Especially when what you're saying needs to be balanced out because it needs to be balanced out factually. So in this case, in this case, Tony Evans in this was talking about waiting on that blessing. And he used the comparison of looking at Esau and Jacob and how Jacob was, or excuse me, how Esau was concerned with the blessing. He didn't value it nearly as much as he should have. He was only concerned with now and didn't look at what the blessing would bring upon him later didn't value that blessing well if you're going to use that as kind of your your text that was the text for this sermon if you're going to use that as your text which whether you say it directly or not what you are implying is that many men are not looking at the blessing that they have in their families or in their children or in their women or with their women today they're living for right now then we need to go look at the facts and see if what you're saying is true When I look at the number of forms, let's start at the very beginning. If we're going to talk about families being raised with no children, let's go back to the very beginning, shall we? First, 
if we look at the statistics of what the black family looked like up until the 1950s, well, at that time, what was the issue? Because at that time, we certainly had more black families that were together. If you go look up on YouTube, look at, I think it was the Department of Commerce, they have the video on there of the unity that the black family had. Where did that unity go? Well, many believe that that unity was eroded with LBJ's legislation that actually was supposed to be a, for a war on poverty, the Great Society. But what it did, it actually destroyed the black home. And much of the statistics that looks at it, like the video that I mentioned on YouTube, looked at originally, this is what the black family was like. It was very patriarchal. The black man was there. They were becoming more affluent. If you listen to my series on Every Black Man Has a Story, you're hearing the story of these black men that ended up getting industrial jobs and they were making more money and they were taking care of their families. Well, if we, once we get past the mid-60s, we now get to a point where all of a sudden you went from having a small percentage, I think it was less than 20%, of families were headed up by black women until what we have now in recent years, 2017, I think the stat was 77%. Well, if we're going to talk about the problems inside the black home, then we need to go ahead and give all the reasons behind that. And we have to look at it first from an institutional level. Well, you might say, well, how does that compare? Well, when we talk about abortion, which is very much a part of this discussion, when we talk about abortion, you notice I've never, and I've been in church many years, I've never heard any pastor come up there from the pulpit and go directly at women for the choices that they make to kill their babies. Instead, everyone is scared to go in on them, but yet they'll talk about what? The institutions that are set up. They'll talk about the number of Planned Parenthood uh, clinics that are set up in the black community. They'll talk about the Planned Parenthood places or the, the money that goes to putting up abortion clinics even in other countries. They'll mention the institutions then. Okay, so let's mention the institution now. Let's mention the role that the courts play in separating men from their children in cases of divorce. I don't even want to jump ahead because we're going to look at that. But let's, the, the big implication out of what he was saying and an insinuation was that black men are choosing not to stay around and to raise their children. They aren't recognizing the blessing that they have. But let's again look at this, go back to then, what about abortion? According to, and this is the American Life League, go look it up. American Life League says that in 2017 in the United States, there were 862,320 abortions. There were 2,362 abortions per day. There were 98 abortions per hour. That equals out to about one abortion every 37 seconds. If we're going to talk about a, a, a gender that is not recognizing a blessing, for tomorrow because they're living for today then maybe we shouldn't be need, we shouldn't be talking just to the men i think we have enough reason to be talking to the women as well because nearly 1 million women in the united states in 2017 decided not to look at the blessing tomorrow they only looked at their situation today and decided to kill their babies is that a conversation we're willing to have in church or is it easier to go ahead and go off on the men now i'm i'm sure i guess the implication is well maybe if these men stepped up the women would then go ahead and have their children. Well, first of all, we know that that's a lie. Just from a logical standpoint, that's a lie. But okay, I'll even go there with you. 
Because if a woman chooses not to have an abortion, one thing we see is that it's obviously for a man, when he makes a decision not to become a parent, the only time, I guess, if he takes the Christian route of abstinence, that's really the only way, or maybe using a condom, are the only two ways that he's really, unless we also include the withdrawal method, <laughs> uh, we'll give him now, and we know the last one, the latter, on how unreliable that is. That's three options he has for birth control. Yet when you go to the FDA site, what do you find? You find 19 different ways that a woman could use for birth control. 19 different ways. And so, okay, what about, again, who's making a choice on who who's really have who has more options to become a parent men or women and again including abortion in there is also another form of birth control and when we start talking about pills like you know it got a lot of press are you 486 or the morning after pill etc how many ways have we created in society for a woman to make a decision i do not want to be a parent therefore i'm going to do and take this Amazingly, no one ever is really on the woman about abstinence. My point that when we look at abortion, when we look at birth control, Mr. Evans, you need to be talking to the women that seem to have a whole lot more control on whether they want to be parents or not, on whether they want a family unit or not, because women are in far more control of that than the men in your congregation that you're going in on. If we look at marriage. OK, so let's get to marriage. Well, if we look at marriage, then we flip over to psychology today, which they said back uh, over 2000 heterosexual couples were surveyed and the study looked and found that 70 percent of all divorces were initiated by women. Another stat said that 80 percent of divorces were filed by the wife. Now, I know we don't necessarily have to apply the Pareto rule to everything, but generally we applied the 80-20 rule. So let's just make the math easy. If you want to talk about who's actually anti-family or who is acting in an anti-family way, then again, the sermon should not be directed maybe at the men because the men may only make up 20% or so of those that act in an anti-family, I don't want children or I don't want to raise my kids way. But if we look at abortion, if we look at birth control, and if we look at who's filing a divorce, I think we have three areas that women are consistently choosing to become single mothers. So when you then talk about that 72 percent of women, black women, particularly that are choosing that are in are having to to head a, a household by themselves, you have to include them choosing to do so. And of course, we're talking about those that did choose to have their baby. So, you know, abortion doesn't apply to them. But imagine if we did apply that stat to them as well. How many were making a choice to sleep with a man, but then making the choice not to have his baby? And if we're going to always keep things 100, I'm yet to hear even a discussion happen inside the body of Christ on the fact that the men have no say so, no say so whatsoever in whether a woman can abort his child or not. You know, it's sometimes it, it just baffles me that these discussions actually take place in such a vacuum. Yet the church is really where the discussion should be able to be had that bring some kind of balance to this. But yet they do not. And so lastly, as I get ready to close this out, 
I look at someone like David Merrill who wrote a book, Why Men Hate Going to Church. It's been a while since I've read that book, but I, I think I want to go back and start checking it out again. Because when I read that book some years ago, he had already started, you know, I, I, I had already picked up on some of the things that he had pointed out, which men, which, you know, he said that men are not, do not want to go to church because they feel detached. They feel like it is too much of a feminine place. Now, mind you, he wasn't just talking about the so-called evangelical church. He was talking about really all religions. Uh, the guy Rolo Tomasi wrote a book on the rational male, wrote a book on religion where he looked at people in Judaism, in Islam, in uh, Latter-day Saints, etc. And he was hearing stories from men saying the same thing. You know what? This so-called secular feminist movement, it's now inside the doors of our religion. But I'm going to lay this down at the foot of Tony Evans and other so-called evangelical ministers, or we'll just say Christian ministers. Why is it that you seem to be more than willing to go in on the men and tell them how they could be better in front of women regularly, sermon after sermon after sermon? Yet, you will not talk about women. As a matter of fact, I think one can argue that you will get more, so we'll just say gender truth which is certainly taught in the pages of scripture. You would get more gender truth listening to someone like Kevin Samuels, uh, Dr. T. Hassan Johnson, than you will from your minister in the pulpit on any given Sunday. Why is that? If there is the one place, a black man in particular, but any man should be able to feel comfortable, it should be on a Sunday morning when he comes in there and we can actually have true biblical discussions that we don't have to be worried about being censored. We don't have to worry about, you know, being told, hey, you're shaming me. We don't have to be told about, hey, the HR department doesn't want you mentioning that. Yet instead, the church is nothing but an extension of those places. Now, I do not know whether, you know, these black ministers aren't going to go in or again, white ministers as well, if they aren't going to go in because they're more worried that they're going to perhaps lose their tithing. I'm sure some for some churches it's that way. Because in many churches, women make up most of the folks sitting in the pews. So could it be that, well, if we make the women upset, well, they're not going to come back. Could that be it? Well, it's possible. Or could it also be the fact that, you know, what some people would call virtue signaling? When you have a, a church with a bunch of women up there looking at you, well, you know, you're trying to say, <laughs> I'm not like the rest of the guys. I mean, I know all of y'all want to get with me anyway, because I'm up here on the pulpit. I got the big king chair with the two smaller chairs sitting next to me. And I got women coming up there at the pastor dinners, giving me a plate. Or is it because they look at, at their own relationships, their own marriages? Maybe the very way that he's telling men to step up. Well, he might not step up in his own house. I, I don't know what the reason is. I'm quite honestly, I'm baffled because I've never heard any minister even try to break it down. But I know if you want men to feel at least more comfortable sitting in your pews, in your chairs, in wherever, listening to you, you need to stop bashing the very group that you admit need to be in there listening to you and following Christ to get the community, whether black or white, together. Because I'm sure you would argue, yes, again, Pareto rule, 
we know whatever is going on, God is going to use the man to be that foundation of the family and hopefully win the wife over. But if we get him straight, and really that's what this is all based on. If we get the man straight, we'll get the house straight. If we get the man straight, we'll get the wife straight. That's, that's really what I think all of them say. If anyone ever has gone to any kind of marital counseling in a church, you probably know that that's the underlying foundation of the advice that's given. But I guess I would look at it two ways there. Certainly, I'm not denying that, that power and that ability, and that's also the power that's laid out in, in Scripture. But we still also have to say women have agency. Do we not think that women have agency? Do women not choose whether they want to sin or not? If we look at Proverbs 22, 6, and we all hang on that and say, train up a child in the way they should go. When they are older, they won't depart from it. Parents hang on that. But if you can't, quote unquote, make a child that you brought into this world and you should have poured everything into them for at least 18 years, and yet when they get out here in these streets and they decide to live a way that is 180 degrees differently than what you had put in them and tried to teach them, you know what we always say? Well, Lord tells you what you need to do as a parent, but that's no guarantee. I mean, you know, they got to walk on their own. But it's amazing that in the church, we don't view that when it comes to marriage. Basically, we simply imply that if a woman is going to be saved, she's going to be saved through her husband. Now, what I mean by that, I mean, literally, she may not be saved. <laughs> she can be she can be a quote unquote unsaved person. But if her husband saved, well, then she saved. Is that our theological position? My mother used to joke with me because I came from a pre-trib household when it came to eschatology. And my mother always would joke, hey, you can't get to heaven off me when the rapture come and I start going up. You can't grab my leg and go. Yet that seems to be the paradigm that is in the Christian church, that every husband, if you're a pre-trib or mid-tribber, you feel that, yes, when the rapture comes, all of a sudden your wife can grab on up a hold of your leg and she's going to go to heaven right with you, regardless of anything she did on her own. But now the very group that you don't want to, I, I assume, alienate, are you saying they don't have agency? Are you saying that women don't really have a choice? That they do everything is according to their man? Uh, I don't think so. And I don't think we find that laid out in scripture. Now, certainly, again, I'm not going to deny and, and, and this isn't even quite honestly of even a biblical thing. I think this is more of a general wisdom thing is that many people inside the church and outside the church will say a woman takes on the spirit of her man. And so I think this is a principle that goes into something that God put into all of us. And again, I'm not negating the responsibilities of a man. But what I am pointing out, and let me again make it clear, is that ministers and particularly black ministers need to stop pulling out their their assault weapons figuratively and shooting down the men in their con in their congregation. Everybody talks about, oh, you got, you know, no pastor wants to be made pastor stew. But yet you don't have a problem cooking the guys that are sitting there listening to you. And you cook them in front of their wives, but you never say anything about what she's doing. You may talk about him in pornography, but you never talk about her and her Fifty Shades of Grey. You may say a whole lot of things about how he's leading the family, but you never say anything about how she won't get up and work 
or how she just lays around all day and perhaps sleeps. You may say how he's not leading the family or how he may abandon the family, but you're not saying anything about her filing divorce papers. And to that end, I will say if your command is that the man needs to step up and lead his house, you're giving him all the responsibility and you're giving him the accountability. And as a man, you always have to be willing to take that. But now my question becomes, now what authority are you giving him? Because if his wife is not going to do so, well, then you say, well, God hates divorce, so he can't divorce her. And then you say, of course, adultery. Well, that's against scripture. Well, okay, so he can't go out and find another woman. He can't abandon her. What can he do? So now that we're in the day and age of 2021, we're in the 21st century, where you're putting all of this accountability and responsibility on the man, but now he has no authority. As a matter of fact, pastor, how would you feel? You as the pastor of the church, you have all of this accountability and responsibility for your flock. Yet now, how do you feel if you had no authority? How do you feel if you felt that you couldn't exercise church discipline? I've known a lot of pastors and they would have a problem with that. I do find it intriguing that many of the same liberties that pastors have from up on the pulpit, they do not endorse, speak about, or consistently tell men that they should have some of the same liberties inside their home because they are the shepherd in their home. They are the ones that are leading their family. It's my responsibility to lead my family, not the pastors. So then what kind of authority do I have? And again, 80-20 rule, if 80% of the divorces are filed by women, and I have no reason to think that it's much different in the Christian community. I don't have stats. I looked them up, but I don't have them. Could not find them. But if 80% of the divorces are filed by women, then you need to be talking to the women about, hey, ladies, you know God hates divorce. So maybe Tony in the message about looking at a blessing today and not giving it value for what it really means tomorrow, it shouldn't have been part of your Kingdom Men series. Which leads me to the question, so when will the Kingdom Woman series begin? And will it be just as cutting and biting as it was for your Kingdom Men series? If it is, well then I applaud you and I applaud any man that teaches it in balance. Because again, if you're going to be talking to a mixed congregation, that's exactly how it should be. But if you're not going to go in the same, well, then I think we have our answer on why many men aren't coming to church. I think we have our answer on why many men aren't coming to sit in the pews so they can listen and, and figure out how to lead their families. Because sadly, they'll learn more of those lessons probably from the street or from somebody else than from the very people we're supposed to be learning it from. And that's our pastor on any given Sunday. Because after all, as a, as, as a person, if a person's a pastor, I am going to put some accountability on them because I'm bringing my family to sit and learn up under you. They're watching me as another man come up and sit up under you. And of course, as many men who kind of buck against that have been told, look, it's an act of submission even when you come and submit up under the pastor. And that's biblical. But also, before I close, shall I mention on how many sermons you've probably heard about submission? 
heard John MacArthur preach one recently. Props to him on that. Uh, I'll listen to John MacArthur talk about submission on race. Eh, not so much. But I, I was glad he actually broached the subject because many pastors won't even do that. And I've taught marital classes before. And I already know one of the most volatile subjects that we talked about with Christian women. It was the subject of submission. So again, we'll talk to men about submitting and expect them to submit, but we won't even broach that topic with women. Our churches are becoming a lot more feminized. I don't know what we intend to do about it. I guess like everything else, although the church is in the world, but not of the world, we look at other various topics just like we do at race and we realize, well, how much just like the world we are. But, you know, all I guess I'm going to say is at the end of the day, it has to be like Joshua. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And that means it must be sometimes to the point where I don't care who the minister is and I applaud them that they may be solid theologically. But where their theology in and it begins to move into some of their, I'll just say, views on gender dynamics. Count me out. Like I'm talking like new edition. You got to C-O-U-N-T me out. I'm not in there. I don't want any part of it. You do that for your home. You let your wife lead your home. You work to, I guess, make sure your wife has everything she needs to have to be the queen that she is, to be the woman that that Proverbs 31 woman, even when she may not be, to worship and adore her. And what I know about male-female dynamics, I have a very good possibility, and, and I anticipate that for many ministers, they'll also be part of that 80% that have their wife drop divorce papers right on them and that's christian or non-christian all right with that i'm out i hope that maybe we'll start even having some churches maybe talking about these issues with just men and then talking about women issues with just women but i had to do this show because i'm tired of it i am tired i'm really tired as i told my kids if we would have gone to his church and him saying some of the things that he did about the men i would have got up and left and they know me when I hear some goofy, crazy, and off-the-wall and unbiblical, we out of there. And so it's just sad that for some reason when it comes to gender dynamics and talking about, about men and women in the church, well, as I said, you might learn how to be a man in your home more from Kevin Samuels or Dr. Tia San Johnson than you will be from your local pastor. And that that's not good. So as always, hey, everything we take, let's have a Bible in our hand. And never take anything, I don't care who the minister is, as the gospel truth, because they all come in from their own perspective. Um, and that is that, you know, we, we are all human beings. So to that end, I definitely understand. But I don't want men to feel ostracized. I think we black men in of themselves already feel ostracized because we aren't part of any, you know, the white church doesn't accept us. They don't talk about the things that impact us. And then now when we go to even a so-called black church, or we have a so-called black pastor up there, we get beat on the head even more. And I know I struggled with this years ago, so I wanted to make this podcast out there for some men that may be struggling with the same thing. I hear you. If you have a story, please let me know. Email me at blackprospector at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, maybe do a show with you or, or with some of the stories in the future, because again, this is something I've been monitoring and paying attention to for quite some time. So with that... We're still all about unapologetically black masculinity. So keep searching. 
We always digging for gold. Gold that's in you, in your relationships, in your health, and in your family. With that, peace. I'm out of here. Talk to y'all later.